All right. Last week we got started on a little book here. It's called uh, Core Values and Beliefs from the Vineyard. And um, we spent weeks really going over the first one of these values. These are kind of the non-negotiables. This is sort of the place where you find us and the place where we are, are informed and we, we kind of know who we are. If you know the history of the vineyard, it's been a, it, it's been a wonderful trip. You know, the early days of, of just the power of God arriving and, and bringing healing and restoration and, and bringing, it was a breath of fresh air, but then as, as the church matured and grew, uh, that you have to start answering some, some questions, you know? You, you have to start figuring out who you are. You, you, the power of God cannot be the only thing that defines you. There's so much more about your personality, about how you do things, about the way you look at the world, the way you solve your problems, the way you connect with one another, the way you engage with the world. You know, all of those things, and we don't know. You know, people come along and would say, what do you guys believe about such and such, you know? And well, we don't know. We've never thought about that before. We don't exactly know what we think about that. And so a new layer would be added. And we've been part of this process. Uh, Linda and I have been personally part of this process over the years. And it's, it's been a wonderful trip, just a wonderful trip. This is the thing every other movement has gone through in all of the years. You know, the Methodists did it. They didn't know. They weren't, they weren't born full-blown. They, they, uh, they came into the world kind of as, as many other things, as a reaction to something else that was going on. And the, and the Presbyterians and the Baptists, they all have a history. They all have a beginning place. And, and it was usually around some issue or some moment in time. But as they grew and more and more people joined, they started saying, hey, what do we think about? What do we believe about? And then you have to start thinking, what's our theology? The vineyard has done it a little differently in that they went to what are our core values. You can also, in the back of this book, get a pretty good dose of what our theology is because it's all back here too and it's all scripturally referenced and if you want to give yourself a really good Bible um, study, go through the statement of faith in the back of this and then go through all of the scriptures, the, the, the references here and the connection and you will, I mean, it'll take you a little while, don't try to do it in one day, you'll hurt yourself. Uh, but, but it's just, it's what do we believe? But, but basically, when we talk about our core values, what we're talking about is how do we apply what we believe? Does everyone understand that if you're not applying it somewhere, you're probably not really believing it? Just saying. You know, the things that you really believe are going to find their way into your life. They're going to find their way into your behavior. They're going to find their way into the way you speak to your husband and you speak to your wife. They're going to find your way in the way you do your job, how you keep your promises, how you tell the truth, what you really believe. These are sort of the non-negotiables. Last week, we, the, first, um, well, the first few weeks, we, the theology and the practice of the kingdom of God, that was, we spent a lot of time on that. But last week I talked about experiencing God. That's the second one of the values. And it's God inviting us into something that's been going on forever. Something in fellowship with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. 
as, as God invites us into the dance, as he invites us in. We don't become the informing part of the Trinity. We just become the beneficiary of the relationship that the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit have had throughout eternity. That's experiencing the real God, of, of really believing he's going to show up, he's really going to do what he says. And now we're to that point, the culturally relevant mission. Let me, let me read this to you. What's, what's here is kind of hard in this light. It's printed white on an orange background. Like, think it over, guys. So I printed it here on a white background with black ink for these aging eyes. I had one of these weird experiences the other day. A couple of weeks ago, Linda and I were out shopping, and I caught the glimpse here just, you know, right at the side, the peripheral vision uh, in, in a pane glass window. We were walking in front of a store of this, of this really old guy, and, and he was crowding me. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking, why is this old guy walking so close to me? You know, and I'm starting to reach back for my wallet. And I, I, so I thought, I'm going to turn around and look at him. As I turned around, there was nobody there. The reflection was me. <laughs> I was seeing myself, and I thought, oh, dude, you're crowding me. <laughs> this is not right. This is not right. So these eyes need a different background. That's all I'm saying. That whole story was. This is what it says. Culturally relevant mission. Culturally relevant mission. The church exists for the sake of those who are exiled, exiled from God. We do not exist primarily for ourselves. We exist for something that's going on outside these four walls. What we do in here is to strengthen and enhance, enhance our ability to connect with that world. All right. We are called to bring the gospel of the kingdom to every nook and cranny of creation, faithfully translating the message of Jesus into language and forms that are relevant to diverse people and cultures. We seek to plant churches that are culturally relevant in a wide variety of settings, locally and internationally. Each vineyard church is encouraged to reach those in its community not already reached by existing churches. Do you want me to read that part again? <laughs> Each vineyard church is encouraged to reach those in its community not already reached by existing churches. In other words, we don't fish in other people's ponds. All right? To this end, we promote a creative, entrepreneurial, and innovative approach to ministry that is faithful to Jesus and expressive of his heart to reach those who are far away from God. All right? There are, I think, a few of these left out there. I'm not sure if you didn't get one of them. Pick one of them up. So let's, let's just unpack this a little bit. I can't love to just spend all the time that probably requires, but there are notes on the back of your bulletin. If uh, you so desire, you can. I, have you noticed uh, these um, um, QR codes in, the, in here? That you can actually, on your, smart, your smarty pants phone, <laughs> and your smartphone can get these notes that you can download them on your device and actually um, delete them, if you so choose. 
or use them, I don't care. But anyway, um, also it, you could do that for the Vineyard, our national conference is coming. We've got a big group going. I'm really excited about the people that are going to our national conference this year in Anaheim in July. So, okay, authorized, empowered, and launched. I want to read this scripture, simple scripture, Mark 16, 15. And he said to them, that's Jesus, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. All right, that's that he there, of course, is Jesus. What are the circumstances at this moment? This is Mark's version of the commissioning. We have a little different one in Matthew, a little longer one. We have a, another one in John that's very personal. We have one in Luke that kind of bleeds over into uh, Acts, into the book of Acts. But the, the idea is the same. We are commissioned. So what's the circumstances of this scripture? He said to them, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. What's going on in their, in their world right then? You can help me here. It's, you know, it's like yell at Pastor Tom time. What's happening in their world? He's just crucified, and what else, Maria? Finish your story. And he, he rose again, and he gave them their marching orders. How many of you understood? We talked about this on Easter. Does everyone understand the resurrection sort of changed everything? It's like all bets are off. <laughs> New ones are on the table. The resurrection confirmed every last word, every last act that Jesus said or performed in his time in his ministry as he pulled together the law and the prophets into himself and he spoke about the kingdom of God and the, the necessity of, of the believers, of those that were following him, of his, of his disciples, to accurately translate back to the world what they had seen and heard. Because the, the world was going to need it. The world was the object of what they were doing. And so, at this moment in time, Jesus is getting ready to go back to the Father. He has been in the grave. He has risen. He has been communicating now with his disciples and, and, and filling them back up. It tells us in Acts chapter 2, what, what, or Acts chapter 1, what it was he was talking to them about. It says he was talking to them about the kingdom of God. And so he, he, he plants that, and he's getting ready to go home. He's, he's going to be back with the Father, and he's going to give us the identical set of tools that had been his when he was here on the earth. And he was giving us the same identical marching orders that he himself had received when he arrived here. It was going to be dispersed. It was going to be handed out. And he foresaw that eventually it would march even to lands that at that time people didn't even know existed. But that not only was the gospel going to go, but it was going to be relevant when it got there. It was going to fit into their world. It was going to enhance and change cultures. <clears throat> Excuse me. That when the, when the gospel, when the real gospel arrived, that nothing would ever really quite be the same. Now the gospel has, has impacted nations and tribes and, and cultures. How many of you know that in a culture there's both good and bad? And it's really amazing how the gospel done properly 
enhances and gives light to the good and begins to give redemption to the bad. It always does. And it always will. It does not, it, it does not stay stagnant. It has life. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Very kind. I was longing for this. <clears throat> Drier than normal. <laughs> Go, let's, let's look at it a little bit. Go, it says. Go suggests, they already know what go means because Jesus goed. <laughs> he went. He did the thing. And so what he was saying with that one word has a lot of implication. It means there's going to be some movement here. How many of you know you can't go and stay at the same time? Is everyone aware of that? There's got to be some sort of motion in your life. And Jesus was saying to them, you're going to start moving. You're, there's, there's going to be, in that movement, in, in that action, there's going to be empowerment. I'm going to give you what you need when you go. You're going to get, you're going to get the downloads for me. There's going to be direction. You're going somewhere. There's destination, that place where you end up. If there's a destination, how many of you also know there's also a leaving? That sometimes in order to do what, what go implies that, that it's not just about arriving somewhere, but I have to leave somewhere. And, and every one of you in this place this morning has got a place you need to leave. I've got at least two, maybe more. There's places where I have, there are things I have to walk away from in order to arrive at the destination. This is all implied. I was thinking, thinking about this this morning early and, and um, thinking about how we wrestle, even as human beings, with the things that are natural in us. You know, the things that God planted in us, but that could sometimes get out of control. Does everyone understand that, that lust is, is something that God created in the beginning that was meant to have 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 uh, life and it was supposed to give a world he didn't call it lust that's when it gets out of control and it's not that I have to deny these the, a natural desire that God has given me and that I have to put it down and bury it and forget it I just have to subjugate it to this bigger picture of the one who says go the one who has a better way for me to perform and, and has, a better, has a better suggestion and can tell me where, that, where those things in my life belong and, and, and what they mean rather than letting any of it getting out of control and beginning to rule. He wants to rule. There are places that some of us have to leave or we never arrive. Are you following me this morning? Okay, all right. So that's go. There's a destination. There's attentiveness. It's paying attention. There's readiness. It's like, I'm ready to go. There's organization. There's flexibility. There's effectiveness in go. All those things are implied in go. And my list goes on and on. But at that point in time, I thought, you'll be getting up and leaving. And I, I don't want that to happen. See, um, Jesus was, was setting the goal. And he sets the goal for everybody someplace other than your current surroundings. Okay? Your goal, whatever it is, whatever it is God's moving in your life, however he's speaking to you, 
your goal is someplace other than where you are currently living. This is not a stagnant faith. This is not you trying to find out, get all the loopholes in the Word of God so that you never have to venture out of the safety of this, of this new health that you've found. Some of us are so relieved when we find Jesus. The guilt of sin of, you know, has gone and the forgiveness has come. And this is where I want to stay for the rest of my life. But does everyone understand that is not implied in go? It's one of those, what, what part of go don't you understand? <laughs> does everyone get that? See, wherever you're at, you're not there. I mean, I'm glad you're where you are because... You had to leave some other place to get there, but don't settle there either. We need to keep moving. We need to keep moving. That's a whole, that's it. They could not sit still and stay and still do what Jesus told them to do. They had to go. There is no hint of non-participation. Everyone, okay. Into all the world. The size of Jesus' vision is no smaller than the sum of all humanity. Jesus saw it all. How many of you also know that his vision included every single individual, no matter how insignificant the world thought they were? So we all, we're getting an idea what go means, aren't we? We're going. And the idea is not just to go and, you know, um, and send postcards home. The idea is to go because we are going to the world. The world needs the story. Jesus died in order that none should perish. And there are some of those people who have yet to even hear his name yet. So we're going to the world. That's kind of echoed in, in, the, uh, in the next phrase. Um, we'll talk in just, a, in just a moment. The assignment is huge. It's the world outside the doors. It's the world on the other side of the globe. It's the world that lives right next door to you the people on the other side of the fence, the people whose, whose children, who, uh, who, the, the parents who drop off children at the same school where you drop off yours. This is, this is the world. And every one of those people has the right to hear what you know. Do you believe that? They have the right to hear. You, you got to hear it. They have the right to hear it. And they have the right to hear it from a credible witness. Someone whose life is believable. I'm talking about you. Why are you so silent this morning? I'm <laughs> staring holes in me and I'm getting nervous. Um, see, Jesus echoed it again, Acts 1. He says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit's come upon you. Oh, hallelujah, the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Yeah. <laughs> and then he says, and you shall be witnesses to me. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Whoa, that's kind of like, go. What the Holy Spirit's doing for you is not for your own amusement. It's not to tingle your spine and, uh, and, and uh, to make you all goosebumpy. Hallelujah when it happens. But there's a point, and Jesus says the point is out there. We go out there. And then he tells us what to do. Preach the gospel to every creature. So the task is pretty simple. The world needed to hear the story that Jesus laid down. The life that he lived 
and the message the message that was his he says I don't want it to stop with you how many of you are ever grateful that the message did not stop with the disciples it they told somebody and they told somebody and they told somebody and they told somebody and finally one of those somebody told you and here you are I'm grateful hope you are now I've got a video I want to talk about what the gospel is here somehow I missed oh okay I want to talk about what the gospel is for just a minute so we understand exactly because it's one of those words that that has all kinds of layers of meaning and application that people have put on it but but basically let me show you this video because this is kind of shows you what it isn't <laughs> more than anything else have we got that video hey you yeah you you're going to hell <laughs> Hey, buddy, I might see you at church later today. No? All right, well, then, then enjoy hell, I guess. Yeah, I get up every morning pretty early and uh, come up here and share the good news from my rooftop. Hey, Baldy. No, Baldy Locks. Jesus loves you, babe. I, I think the rooftop is a perfect place to win souls for Christ. Um, you know, when you're up here, it's easy to look down on people and see all their shameful ways and to yell at them to change those ways and they listen because I'm a voice from above and they respect that. Guys, have you heard of Jesus Christ? He's your personal Lord. No, He is your personal Lord and Savior. I, have you asked Him into your heart? Do you, do you want to chat? I have a Bible up here. I'll throw one at you. I, I haven't saved anyone or led anyone to Christ personally, but I am pretty sure that I've saved thousands. Excuse me, sir, put those cigarettes down. Those are bad for you. Your body is a temple that Christ gave you as a gift in order for you to live this life and find out that salvation is here for you. If you just accept them into your heart. Go down there? Why would I go down there? It's filthy down there. It's full of sinners. No. Uh, my place is up here. I belong up here doing God's work. Would you like me to pray over you? Where are you going? Come. All right. Good luck in hell. How many know that sometimes people's version of the good news varies? <clears throat> this is not, obviously, well, a little more than tongue-in-cheek. Uh, I don't think this is what God intended, do you? How many of you ever seen this? I was going into an into arena one time. I think it was like a promise keepers thing, and there were some guys outside yelling at us for the watered-down version of the gospel that we were embracing and so I just stepped aside there were several of us we stepped aside to talk to these guys and the problem was I don't think they had any concept of what was good news what they were telling me was not good news the word gospel means that that's kind of a uh, almost an oversimplified version of what it means but but that accurately it's it's the good news see the, the gospel, Christ's accomplishments are really at the heart of the gospel. What Jesus did and what Jesus said, that's the heart of the gospel. And, and let me emphasize, he did it, you didn't. 
This is the good news. This, I mean, this is what makes this really good news. It's about what he has done for us, not what we could ever possibly do for him. This is, this, the gospel is the done deal. This is about Jesus, the man who, he was God, but he came as a man and he kept himself above reproach never sinning, exemplifying righteous thought and behavior. And does everyone understand he did it for us? He did that, stayed, he made it through temptation. He made it to the end of his life because he had you as his goal. He knew that if he somehow failed in this mission, that he would not be an acceptable sacrifice to offer as substitute for you in your failure. And so instead, he walked that life out and then he gave himself in your stead. Okay, is anybody starting to see the good news here? So that when the moment comes, I mean, and we'll all stand. Bible says we all stand. We, there will be a day of judgment. This guy was kind of rushing it. But um, there is that day of judgment where I will stand before the Father and because I have allowed myself, I have given myself to, to this story, I've given myself to Christ. When he looks at me, rather than, than seeing the sin and the failure and the, and, and the, the, the mess that, that I have created in my life, he will look through me and he will see the substitutionary death of Jesus on the cross and realize I, who have applied for the, for the benefits of that, I have now been covered by that, no longer being judged by my own failure, but being judged by Jesus' exemplary, his, his sacrificial life. Now that is good news. You're going to hell, not so much. Is everyone with me? You see, I have a story to tell, and it's about what Jesus did for me. It's about what Jesus did for you. That's the gospel. The activity of preaching the gospel is so important that the world will not end until the whole world hears it. That's what the Bible says. Let's, let's, here's my proof text, I think. Matthew 24, 14. This gospel of the kingdom will be preached to all the world as a witness to all the nations. What are we witnessing to? The good news, the gospel of this kingdom. That Jesus has done something so extraordinary, so beyond comprehension, so unimaginable that it can be applied in this day and age. And I find myself forgiven, restored, and in relationship with my Creator because of what He did, not because of anything I did except fall on my face and say, man, do I need this. I'm a witness to that. I, I, it's a witness out of my life. The priest of the whole world is a witness to all the nations. Does that sound, you hear the echo of go in there? To all the nations and then, everybody just read that with me. The end will come 
We keep looking for Jesus to return. There's, there's, it's a million, a multi-million dollar business in America of Christians who can't wait for Jesus to come back. And you, why, you know why I suspect it? We want him to come back so we don't have to go. I think I'm right on this one. This will shrink the congregation. Is everyone, does everyone understand what I'm saying? We spend, we spend millions of dollars trying to read the signs, and the sign's right there. You want him to come back? Go. The gospel has to be preached to the entire world. This gospel is so significant. This good news is so important that God cannot end this world until every nation has had the chance to hear that Jesus is Lord. So, you know, if you're one of those guys driving down the road every morning and looking out your window like, I hope he comes today. Mortgage is due tomorrow. <laughs> if, you're one of, if you're one of those people, why don't you do like what I, what I heard Nicole saying, Lord, did I today honor you and worship you? Did I, in fact, go into this world with the gospel, with this message? Not from the rooftop. Why, you know, why go down from there and get down among them? It's dirty down there. But rather in my life and in my language and with the tools of the Holy Spirit, constantly encountering and sharing and representing and being the good news. See, in the book of Acts the, and in the epistles, the gospel was presented as being powerful and being the way to live. We weren't given too many choices. But Jesus' message of the gospel, and he, he used that word. It's pulled from the Old Testament, the good news, and, you know, it's Greek, Greek word, but he, he applied it. But, but the disciples began to enlarge it, and they began to say, this gospel has got the power to change people's life. This gospel has got, has got the power to change nations. There's something in it that once you embrace this good news, something of, of God's potency, something of the eternal begins to play in your life. And when it begins to play, it, it not only changes you, but it begins to affect the world around you. And that's this bigger picture of what the gospel does. It also was, was presented, it's presented in the epistles as a way to live, this gospel that we live. We don't just repeat the message, we become in essence the message. Our lives start to represent what God intended when Jesus, when Jesus died on the cross and he rose from the dead. That's a great story, but it also has impacted me. And it's the things that have changed in me, the, the things that have grown in me, that begin to become a benefit to other people. You know, he saved you. And he saved you because there's a world out there that needs Christ accurately represented and accurately on display. And that's what the gospel is about. I wonder, um, I was reading a couple of days ago. Um, it, this is in Matthew um, 5. You've all read this. It's right after the Beatitudes. And Jesus says, Sermon on the Mount. He says to those that are listening, you are the salt of the earth. Really? I, 
I make this world more savory? How many of you ever had to do salt-free diet? You want to jump on your chair and say hallelujah? <laughs> it's a wonderful experience. See, you see, do you understand what Jesus was saying to these that were becoming his followers? He said, it's you that's going to give savor and taste to this world. It's you that's going to offer the preservative that's going to keep this thing from going over the edge and disappearing into oblivion. It's the gospel and those that live it out. You are going to become the saver in this world. Have I been the saver today? The word, um, the word salary, how many of you get a salary? That's a Latin word and it comes from salt. It's because the Romans, Roman soldiers were often paid in allotments of salt along with whatever they got, their money, they were also given salt because it was so precious, so desirable, and not as easy to get. The salary, have I paid? You know, has, has the, there been a payment for what's in my life? See, I think this is what Jesus was referencing when he said the gospel will change whatever it touches, but somebody has got to take it to those places. You've got to go. I want to read, um, okay, let, well, let's just go. Let's, let's keep moving. Um, I'm going to skip all of that. It's brilliant, but you'll never know that. It's, uh... God's initial introduction of the, of the disciple-driven gospel included people from many cultures. This is, let me read this scripture, Acts 2, 5 through 11. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem. Now, this is, this is the day of Pentecost. Everybody remember that? That's what's going on here. The Holy Spirit has fallen on, on the remnant, the 120 that, that survived everything. And the Holy Spirit has just fallen. And they have the, had the tongues of fire resting on them. And they began to praise God in languages they did not know. Then and this is a public spectacle. They're making a lot of noise. Some people suggest that they were not in the upper room at this moment, but rather they were on their way down in the celebration, the Pentecost celebration, heading towards the temple together when the Holy Spirit fell on them. So it was a very public event. I like that picture better than the secrecy of the upper room doesn't really say that's where they were at the moment. But somehow they made enough noise that everybody stopped and said, what in the world is this? That happened a lot around Jesus. There were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when the sound occurred, this rushing mighty wind, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in their own language. And then they were all amazed and they marveled, saying to one another, look, are not all these who speak Galileans? Galileans didn't have the best reputations. And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Parthians and Medes and Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia and Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia and Phrygia and Pamphylia and Egypt and the parts of Libya adjoining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes. Cretans and Arabs, we hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. We got a map you can throw up there. Can you see that? No, you can't. I can see it on the back wall. There it is. 
and just this we need to replace some of our equipment like all of it <laughs> this look at this map in Jerusalem there's a download an amazing Spirit of God download and it just so happens that when God does it he does it on Pentecost which is kind of the next biggest event after Passover for the Jewish world Jerusalem is packed and it's packed with people from all over the world and in their midst suddenly there are people who are glorifying God and they're giving the gospel and people are hearing it in their own language from people who never learned their language look at the map isn't God's economy wonderful is it wonderful how he keeps his promise he says go he says let me help you with that let me help you with go I'm gonna bring them first to you does everyone understand that here even in Reno that the world is at our doorstep there's a young man you really need to know Mike Cutler works among the international students up at the University of Nevada he comes to church here with us once in a while and, and worships with us Mike has a vision for the whole world and he ministers at the University of Nevada Reno and he's impacting nations one person at a time the world is on our doorstep Jerusalem look at look at there up into Asia the Cappadocia and Mesopotamia and Media and the Elamites and then in Judea that's the home base and then Arabia how many of you think it'd be wonderful if the gospel landed in Arabia right now it's going on kind of undercover but it's going on in Egypt now we're in Africa in Cyrene where, where have we heard of, from, about Cyrene before who who in the Bible was that uh, was from Cyrene Simon Simon remember him Simon the Cyrene probably a black man what did he do he carried Jesus's cross he was an African happened to be in town for the Passover look it mentions Rome all the way out into Europe now there were Jews from Rome it's kind of amazing but if you follow church history the gospel ended up in every one of these places but the first shot was in Jerusalem up in Phrygia and Pamphylia all of that you, you, I mean you get a picture of what was happening it's pretty amazing isn't it these God-fearing people and God found them in one place go into all the world and God says let me show you how this works. I'll bring the whole world to you first this is like the Lord sort of establishing his values isn't it God's core values the things that he thinks are the most important people and do you think those people went back home with a story to tell some of them probably have been there from since um, since Passover and just stayed it's 50 days apart the two of them you know um, less than two months so some of them are probably there see this is God's initial disciple dis, uh, disciple driven gospel in this wonderful economy this is where God is Jesus model for presenting the gospel was personal and relational he lived incarnationally in other words he put it into flesh how many of you know that we, we have this in, in the scriptures that, and, and we can also do the second one Jesus lived purposely John 17 8 whoops almost had it there 
in the, uh, for I have given to them the words which you have given me, and they have received them and have known surely that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. This is Jesus just living it at their, at their level. The next one there, uh, too, Jesus lived purposely, John 18, 37. He's speaking to Pilate just before his crucifixion. Pilate therefore said to him, are you a king then? And Jesus answered, you say rightly that I am a king for this cause I was born and for this cause I have come into the world that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Jesus was living on purpose. Jesus was living intentionally. He was living with them. He went, how many of you know Jesus went to their weddings? Jesus went to their parties. He went to their houses and he had dinner with them. He, would, he, he talked to them in the marketplace. He, he ran into them at the temple where they worshiped. He met them in the wilderness. He talked to them around Galilee, that, that much more rural area, and, and then in the much more cosmopolitan Jerusalem. The message was applied in the place where they lived out of their life. Um, I'm going to finish. I'm reading a book, actually for the second time, uh, a book called Heroic Leadership. And this is a book about the Jesuits. How many of you know who the Jesuits are? The Society of Jesus. Started in the 1500s. A guy um, had, had a vision for something. He, he saw what we're talking about this morning, that we have to go. But he didn't just go. He began to understand that that and the, and the people there's like 10 guys that he gathered around him this was the whole deal they had to go down and see the Pope and the Pope said okay you can be Jesuits and so they, they had this vision that was as big as the world it was like they didn't understand that they couldn't do what they thought about doing and and they they began seeing that what they needed to do was not just go but, but to prepare. And so they prepared. They became one of the best educational systems the world had ever seen. They built universities. They started schools. They became mathematicians. They became astronomers. They became ambassadors. They became merchants. Whatever it took, they became. Whatever would allow them to leave their safe environs of Rome, or some of them ended up in India, and then from India they went to Japan, and from Japan they went into China, and at that moment in time, nobody was going there from, from Europe. Nobody was allowed. You know, Jesuits were among some of the first people that, that explored the Americas and began to give it some, some kind of definition, put it on the map. These guys were there, and the reason that they went was, was not just, you know, join the Jesuits, see the world, but rather there was something driving in them that they believed that what Jesus said was the truth. Go therefore into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Why? Because that's who Jesus died for. And the stories are amazing. There's, a, there's this great story. A guy, a guy named um, Matteo Ricci. He goes, he, he kind of gets picked up and, and uh, sort of accidentally he gets sent to India. And then from there, I may be getting his story mixed with someone else. Anyway, he ends up in China 
Nobody ended up in China. They, people avoided China. But he ends up in China. And he's been taught by one of the foremost astronomers in the world who is a Jesuit. And he's trying to connect with the emperor because he figures that if the emperor blesses it, he'll have freedom. Now, he's, he's the only one in there. He's the only European in there. But he accurately predicts, because of, because of his, his um, education, he accurately predicts a, um, what do you call it when the moon and the eclipse, thank you very much, brain doesn't always work as it should, that he predicts eclipses suddenly with his science, there's a whole section of, of Chinese scholars and scientists that suddenly put a whole lot of weight on what this guy says. They saw everything that they did as a tool, a possible tool for taking them into a place that had never heard the gospel. And consequently, 475 years later, they're still operational. And they only had four, uh, they only had uh, four values that drove their leadership substance. They figured every Jesuit was a leader because you never know where you're going to end up. That was sort of the idea. Self-awareness, in other words, they understood their strengths, their weaknesses, values, and worldview. Ingenuity, in other words, they confidently innovated wherever they happened to be. In conversation, in preparation, everything. They adapted to embrace any kind of a changing world, whether it was changing around them or they went to that world. The third one was love. They engaged others with a positive and loving attitude. And finally, the fourth one was heroism. They energized themselves and others through heroic ambitions. They thought Jesus meant what he said. Isn't that amazing? That that's a possibility. But that's what he said. Now, in our, in our core value, one of the things it says, and, and I'll end here, the worship team can come back just to prove that I'm telling you the truth here. Oh, this is the white one again. All right. It says, we seek to plant churches that are culturally relevant in a wide variety of local settings and internationally. One of the things that the vineyard discovered, or it wasn't the vineyard that discovered it, they just applied it, that young churches tend to do a better job with this than old churches. That they've got a different energy in them and they've got a different reason. They're, they're struggling for survival. They're, they're really out there. They've got a vision to see the message to be preached. And so at the core of, of much of what the vineyard does, there's this idea that we will reproduce ourselves. That we'll, plant, we'll go plant a church. It's, a, it's one of the best ways to do that. And that that church will begin to win these people that we... Um, that we are meant to reach. But they'll be relevant. They, they'll speak into the culture. They'll speak into the moment. They'll speak into the place. How many of you think this might be a good way to live? How many feel like you're really living there? You don't have to raise your hands. I'm trying to be a little better at this. You know, Linda and I were talking, you know, uh, how comfortable we as Americans are. Everything about us wants us to settle back, take it easy, don't take chances. Don't be those people. Those are special people that God calls to do that job. 
When you meet Russ, Wes and Rachel, if you haven't met them, they'll be here this summer. You'll think, well, that, you know, I haven't done much of anything in my life. Do you understand the calling on your life is identical to theirs? Identical. You may not end up in Yemen. But God has put you in Reno and it's the next best thing to Yemen. This is the place where the gospel needs to go. God's stirring in this city right now in, in remarkable ways. But I, could I just suggest to you that it is not something to set for you to set back and observe it come. That you set back and watch it arrive but that rather you make application of a gospel that is already at work in your life, changing you and making this world different around you, that you realize that that gift is a lot bigger than you've ever seen it in your own life. And that, the, and that as you move into this world, there is something God has intended for you that is much larger than you setting and letting somebody else do it. He says to you, go. Where's go? I don't exactly know. Not for you. Kind of getting an idea. Linda and I have been at the university this year. We've been at Bailey Charter School this year. Because we think this is part of go. Going to be down at Earth Day. I used to have Earth shoes. Remember those? I really did have a pair of those. They were very uncomfortable. <laughs> Threw them away. They're going down there. God says go. We'll go to a restaurant. Some of you go to a restaurant from, from here. Why don't you just consider that as your next go? You're gonna have a waitress. You're gonna have people at the next. Just look around and just see what God might suggest. You don't have to be weird. You don't need to stand on top of the house with a bullhorn. This is just your invitation to start engaging where you are. You're already there. Don't wait for it to get magic. It's already there. Let's stand. As we worship, it's this thing of saying, God, tell me to go. I want to go. I want to be part of this reconciling or this, this culturally relevant mission. I, I want to be part of the reconciling community. That's next week. I'll tell you a little more about the whole Burning Man thing next week. As, as we want to enter our world and be a part, whether they ever show up here or not, we want them to know. We want them to know. Let's worship. On Friday night, um, as a number of you were, I was at a, a concert at um, the Nugget. It was a release party, um, a CD release party for Tim Snyder. And uh, hopefully Tim will be with us next week. A number of you that were here this morning were participating in that concert, some of the voices in the background. And um, there was something in that room on Friday night that was different. I've been to a number of Tim's concerts, but there was something in the room on Friday night that was redemptive. And the room was full of all kinds of people that wouldn't even known that word I just used. 
happens, this young man kind of, kind of got transparent in front of a whole lot of people through his music. And he told this story through his music. And the story was all about how God has restored me. And in the midst of everything I've seen and gone through, he has been there. And it wasn't church, you know, but it was church. And I sat there just, I was overwhelmed through the whole thing. And I said, this is what go means. I'm thinking about my sermon. You hadn't heard it yet, or you'd probably been thinking it too. I'm thinking, I thought, this is what go means. This is what the whole world means. Those that are different from me, those that like me, those that don't like me, they still have a right to hear. They still have a right to see Jesus reflected in my life. That's why we do what we do. I was going to read a scripture, and it's shutting down here on me in Isaiah 40. This is supposed to be faster. <laughs> it says, O Zion, you who bring good tidings, the good news, get up into the high mountain, O Jerusalem. You who bring good tidings and lift up your voice with strength and lift it up and don't be afraid and say to the cities of Judah, behold your God. Behold your God. That's what your life is about. Somebody should see something of God in you. Somebody probably already is seeing something of God in you. And you've got a story to tell, don't you? Boy, have we got a story. If you need prayer, as we end this service, we, if you need prayer this morning, we'd love to talk and pray with you, physical. Maybe what some of you just want to repent this morning. This would be a great repent morning. And you can repent of saying, God, forgive me for trying to find comfort, the kind of comfort that lets me disappear and be safe. I write a, a book, Jesus as Blanky. He's just here to keep me safe. Linus, you know, with his blanket. He's here to keep me safe and to feel comfortable. No, he's probably here to push you into places that aren't so safe and aren't so comfortable. But boy, do you have a story to tell. Comfortable people don't want to hear what you have to say. Uncomfortable people need to hear what you have to say. So you got to go where they are and tell it again and again and again. So if you need prayer, you need to come out of your comfort, come out of your safety place. Maybe it's been a while since you shared anything of the gospel. Savior can move mountains. Did, didn't we just sing that? What a great song for ending this. But come and receive prayer. Get prayer. If you have any other need, if you don't know Jesus, we'd love to introduce you to him. That's, the, that's an easy one. But come. 
Heavenly Father, it's a great day to know you. And, and Lord, the world is at our feet. And in fact, it's a lot easier to, to go now than it used to be. When a lot of these people we talked about this morning, when they went, Lord, they went for the rest of their lives. They never saw home again. Lord, we can do it on the phone. We can do it on the internet. We can, we can do it with our next door neighbor. Father, there's so many avenues. We can get on a plane and be around the world tomorrow. It's a different day and go, Lord, has been really kind of been ramped up. And so, Father, I pray that you just teach us to go. Help us to see go in our life. Help us to understand go. Help us to see it, Lord, in the morning when we get up and throughout the day. Help us to understand go. The people we touch, the people we talk to, the people we relate to, we work with. Father, I pray that go just becomes part of our world, that we hear this. This is our core. This is a core value for us, Lord. It's not a core for those other people. It's a core for me. And so, Father, I just pray that you wrap this, uh, wrap us in it and dig our hearts and plant it deeply. That, Father, we understand it's that time. Knowing the time, the scripture says, knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us, therefore, shake off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Father, let that be our prayer. Let us be those people. Let me be that man in Jesus' name. Have a wonderful week. Amen and amen.